You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 145. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today's reading focuses on Zacchaeus, who was a very rich man. And elsewhere in the Gospels, including Mark and earlier in this Gospel, Luke's Gospel, we read that, quote, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, end quote. And yet Jesus says that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham. So how was Zacchaeus able to accomplish this, Father? A very good question, and let me begin by commending you on the question. You really took this in a direction I didn't expect, and I like how you connect this to the teaching on the difficulty of a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So well done on making that connection, and I think that will help illumine this story even further. Well, I appreciate your kind words, Father, but I'm just glad you think that they'll help illumine this story. So with that, perhaps you can jump right in and explain it to us. Yeah, so first off, let's just briefly touch on Zacchaeus' name. It's a Hebrew name, so Zacchaeus is a Jew, and I will underscore why this is so important in just a minute. And also, I would point out the fact that Zacchaeus climbs a sycamore tree, which is a type of a fig tree. In the Old Testament, the fig tree is associated with Israel, and we'll touch also on this later. Uh, in any case, I just want to quickly establish that Zacchaeus is a Jew. Now, if you look it up online, you'll see that his name means pure, innocent. But what I don't see in a quick search is that his name comes from Zike, which means, from the Hebrew root word, which means to atone. And obviously you can see the connection to the story inasmuch as Jesus atones for Zacchaeus by coming to his house. And then Zacchaeus confirms or completes that atonement by his subsequent actions that we'll discuss in more detail later. Okay, so that's helpful, but could you go back, Father, uh, to why it's important to note that Zacchaeus is a Jew, as you noted, uh, that he has a Hebrew name? Well, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, which of course is a strike against him, but what is even worse about this, what's a double strike against him, is the fact that Zacchaeus is a Jewish tax collector. And why is that uh, a double strike against him, the fact that he's uh, a Jewish tax collector? 
Well, tax collectors were despised by the Jews of Jesus' time for two main reasons. We've discussed it in depth on previous episodes, but I'll remind some of our old listeners and inform those who haven't heard before. So tax collectors were generally hated because not only did they collect the tax for the Roman authorities, but they would steal extra for themselves. You don't have the kind of of transportation and court system and record-keeping that we have in the modern era in the ancient Roman Empire. So let's just say, for example, you owe $100, and the tax collector comes to you and says, no, you actually owe $120. Okay, you have little recourse for that. You're going to pay him the $120. He's going to give $100 to Rome, the tax you actually owed, and then he's going to pocket the other $20 himself. And this is why this story mentions at the end that Zacchaeus restores fourfold to those from whom he has taken by false accusation as his work as a tax collector. Now here's the extra strike against Zacchaeus, against any Jewish tax collector. The tax collector is also despised by the Jews because they collect the tax from the Jews And then they turn around and give their tax money to the Roman authorities, who then fund the Roman army, which in turn, of course, occupies Jerusalem, keeps the Jews subdued under their boot, occupying and controlling the city of Jerusalem and the territory of ancient Israel. So this is actually the principal strike against a Jewish tax collector. He's the worst kind of traitor. He takes your hard-earned money. He sends it to the authorities who then occupy and control what you view as your city and your country. So Zacchaeus is the absolute worst kind of traitor in the mind of Jesus' Jewish contemporaries. We cannot overstate how despised he would have been by those witnessing this event or hearing of it when Luke's gospel was first presented to them. It's very interesting, Father. It's also always so helpful to have this historical backdrop because it just shows how radical Jesus' message and actions were and helps us understand why Jesus was so often despised by the religious authorities of his time. Now, if we could, uh, with that background in mind, I'd like to get back uh, to the original question. In other parts of the gospel, we hear Jesus talk about how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And yet here with Zacchaeus, who is a wealthy tax collector, Jesus ends up commending him and telling him that he too is a son of Abraham. So how do we connect these two seemingly disparate things? Yeah, again, great question. And let me start to answer it by saying this. When Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, remember, the disciples then question how anyone could be saved. And recall Jesus' response to that. He says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with with God. Now, interestingly, maybe you already did this, but I looked up that passage about the rich man and the eye of a needle after you asked about it. And notice that this story is presented in Luke's gospel in, in chapter 18. Why do you find that interesting? Well, because Luke, the only one who conveys this story about Zacchaeus, includes the Zacchaeus story in chapter 19. So it's only a few verses after Jesus discusses the difficulty of a rich man entering the kingdom that Luke then presents the story of Zacchaeus. In other words, this connection that you made seems to be a connection that Luke perhaps intended. And what is that connection? I think the connection is that a rich man is saved by welcoming Jesus into his house. And of course, by that we mean that a rich man accepts that salvation, atonement, to stress the meaning of Zacchaeus' name, that atonement comes only through accepting the grace that is offered by Jesus. Atonement did not come to Zacchaeus by his climbing the sycamore tree, the fig tree. 
Remember what I said earlier, the fig tree being representative of Israel. So salvation atonement does not come through Zacchaeus' own work, his own obedience to the Mosaic law. It comes through Jesus' action of calling him down from that tree and deciding through his own goodwill to visit Zacchaeus' home. Furthermore, Zacchaeus confirms or completes this atonement that Jesus offers by his own actions. Namely, he realizing that accepting Jesus' atonement is, as as Father Paul Tarazi likes to say, free of charge but with a charge. This means it's free. Jesus does not charge us, but he does give us a duty, a responsibility. Specifically, then, Zacchaeus distributes half his goods to the poor and then uses the remainder to restore fourfold to those whom he has robbed through his tax collecting. So to summarize my answer to your question, yes, it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom, as Jesus taught, but this is not impossible with God. It's possible if the rich person recognizes their salvation comes, not through their own righteousness, not through their own wealth, but if they accept that atonement comes through Jesus and they then adopt Jesus' teaching and way of life, they do not view their possessions, their wealth as their own, but as a gift of God to be distributed to those in need and to restore to those from whom their wealth was taken. I really appreciate that explanation, Father, and that really leads nicely into my last question for this episode. In today's polarized climate where we so often judge our neighbor and our own brothers and sisters in Christ, it can be very tempting to view others as Zacchaeus was viewed in this passage. A despised tax collector being singled out and Jesus having invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, it seems a bit of a stretch for most of us if we were in this situation. But this is precisely what Scripture emphasizes over and over again. So from a practical standpoint, how do we open ourselves up to this approach where we seek to reconcile with others and show mercy and compassion on those whom we may despise? Well, for me, I can say that I truly see no other way than to adopt a biblical worldview and to keep having that reinforced and remind and being reminded of it. I don't see how it's possible to open up ourselves to the possibility of reconciling with and showing mercy and compassion upon the most despised in our society unless we authentically integrate and continue to hear and be reminded of the biblical teaching. It goes clear back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis 1, where we're taught that each person is made in the image of God. It goes to Matthew 25, where we're told that in behaving this way towards the despised and outcast by taking care of them, it's actually behaving that way towards God, that we're serving Him through serving others, most especially those who are in need. And yes, there is this general sense throughout much of uh, human history, human morality, human ethics, that we should be nice to one another for various reasons, but I'm simply unaware of a teaching as binding and radical as the biblical teaching. It's not just that we should be kind. It's that we must view the others as equally in God's image as us. It's that in serving them, we're directly serving God. And as you said, Scripture repeats this point over and over and over. It's systematic. So if we wish to emulate that, we must adopt and integrate this mindset, allow it to penetrate our entire life. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we discussed Zacchaeus, the rich tax collector. Father Aaron stressed the twofold strike against Zacchaeus. Not only was he a tax collector, but a Jewish tax collector. Zacchaeus was tasked with collecting taxes from the Jews, adding a surcharge for himself, and turning the monies over to the Roman authorities to continue their occupation and subjugation of the Jewish people. 
This made Zacchaeus the worst kind of traitor among his fellow Jews. We then discussed how Zacchaeus was able to be counted as a son of Abraham, given that we are told by Jesus that it is exceedingly difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Father reminded us that Jesus also teaches us that the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And so salvation comes to Zacchaeus not through his works or obedience to the Mosaic law. It comes through accepting the grace that Jesus offers him. And in keeping with this idea, we were also reminded of Father Paul's Tarazi's statement that salvation is free of charge, but with a charge. This teaching cannot be overstated. While this gift is freely given by our Lord, it comes with a duty, a responsibility, to adopt Jesus' teaching and his way of life. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God and our hope, glory to thee.